Hey guys, you're listening to She's Obsessed, the podcast, and I'm your host, Jamelia Obsessed. On this week's episode, I'm looking forward to introducing you to Christina Okrocha from Vamp UK. Vamp is a social marketing agency engaging a diverse audience and creating memorable experiences. I speak to Christina about how Vamp were able to bag their first few gigs, which included Girls Trip, Black Panther, and Wrinkle in Time. Yes, they did get to meet Oprah. Building a business with friends and what that's like. Working out pricing in creative roles, increasing your prices as you grow and become better at your craft, VAT, corporation tax, paying a team and paying yourself and being unapologetically black in business. And I couldn't help but close with some skincare gems because if you know Christina, you know that her skin is absolute goals. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go. Hey, Christina, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining me on She's Obsessed, the podcast. Mm. Um, as you may or may not know, it's essentially a platform just to elevate the conversations that I have with really influential black British women. Because I found that when I was listening to podcasts, I was consuming a lot of American yes. information, which is great. But I feel like we have some homegrown talent here. Definitely. So I wanted to just use this as a platform to share those conversations. Okay. So, Sounds welcome. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll get you to introduce yourself. I know a lot about you and what you do, but I'd definitely like to hear how you introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about Vamp before we dig into some details and some juicy bits. Okay, so my name is Christina Okorocha, as you know already. Um, I co-founded a business called Vamp with two co-founders, Rumbi and Ruby. We are a social marketing agency and we specialise in representing the underrepresented in um, beauty, fashion, lifestyle and entertainment. Amazing. And how did you guys meet? Uh, we met at Coventry University. Oh, so you didn't know each other before uni? No. no. So I studied business and Ruby studied, Ruby and Ruby studied media, communications and culture. Okay. And then we all met through like kind of like ACS kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we all became like besties. You know, so Amazing. So when did you guys found Vamp? Was it at uni or was it once you graduated? So we were on internships, we were on placements and um, we came up with the concept of Vamp. And I always say that like we came up with the concept before we actually made the business. Mm-hmm. It's like, for example, we came up with the concept before we even had the name. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So we started Vamp and we were working on it for a while and then we only just turned into a full-fledged business January 2017. Okay. So it's been like two years. Yeah. Cool. So talk to me about your personal exper- experience. So mm-hmm. your internships, what you gained from that, and then mm-hmm. how you were able to apply it to VAMP. So I think before I um, went to uni, I didn't really, I wasn't interested in like internships. I didn't even know about it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know that like, it's good to like get experience before you start working. And um, went to uni, studied business, and I had to do a placement year. So I was looking everywhere. And then I finally got a placement at Canon, which is the camera okay. company. And I worked there, I was a product planner in printing, like printers, like it's got nothing to do with anything. Wow. Yeah. So I was a product planner, but next to me was a marketing team. But I was an EMEA product planner, so it was throughout the whole of like Europe. So yeah. it made me learn a lot about like kind of like um, localization, like logistics, like around like the whole of Europe. And then I was just really interested. And then the vice president of Canon Europe like saw me as like an intern and he was like, oh, like you're interested in like, I'm going to put you together with the other interns and you guys can lead a project on how to make Canon a bit more like appealing to a younger generation. Mm. So then like I led the team and it was like eight of us 
and we did this project and then we like presented it to them and they were like so outstanding like wow this is a, and it made me think like wow like millennials know how to talk to millennials so like mm-hmm. why isn't this done more so um from that I was like inspired I was like oh like I should like do something blah, blah blah then I got an internship at Google after which is the summer so um just like a three-month internship so literally I had a one-week break from Canon then went straight to Google mm-hmm. um and I was a brand marketing and search intern okay so I worked on like the Google app and stuff so like marketing and um from there I realized like there is such a gap in the market for this and um the head of social became my mentor and then I was like, wow, like, I'm supposed to be in the social media space. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be in marketing. And I had Ruby, who was at Universal, which is, like, on the other floor from Google. Mm-hmm. And I told her, then we, I was just like, I feel like I, I did, actually. I emailed her and I was like, we need to start a business. Like, we need to do this. Do that. She's like, yeah. And then we spoke about it. And then we called Ruby. Mm-hmm. And then Ruby was like, yeah, this is a good idea. And then we just all, like, came up with the concept. It took us, like, months to come up with the name, which is basically a lipstick colour. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Because I want it on my Instagram all side of a lipstick colour. Because that's what I like. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay, makes sense. Oh, I love that. So you guys all were able to draw on your personal experiences mm. that you gained during university. Yeah. To then pour it, pour it into the business. So you guys graduated and started on the business right away. So we, so I was on my placement year and so was Ruby. And then we started VAMP, just mm-hmm. like supporting that businesses in uni. And then like we went, after we graduated, we went to work. Okay. And then I was like at a digital marketing agency. Ruby was at like a PR agency. Wimby was at like a marketing recruitment thing. Mm-hmm. And then I left my job first. And then I incorporated Vamp like a month before I left my job. Or maybe it was the day I left my job. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And then, then I started working on Vamp. And then Ruby left a couple months later. Then Ruby left a couple months after that. What was that like for you? Were you nervous or was it like you don't have that much to lose because you just graduated so you don't have much of anything anyway? The thing is, yeah, I'm just like a very spontaneous person. Like mm-hmm. I do things like like whim, like what well, is bad. But <laughs> the thing is, I was like, oh, let me, let's just do it. Like, let's just start this business. Let's just try at least. And then like, um, I went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like India. <laughs> I went to LA and Vegas, spent all my money basically. And I got back and I was like, right, like you want to start this business? You broke, you broke as hell. <laughs> And then, like, it was just like, oh, wow, I ain't got no money. I'm just here. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then that started to take off. And we started mm-hmm. making, like, a little bit of money. We never really started making money until, like, the second year. Or, yeah. like, a year and a half. Um, That's good because some businesses don't make money after. Yeah, exactly. Years, a long years. time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, from then we just decided, like, let's just put all ourselves into it and see how it goes. Very cool. So who was your first client and how did you get them? Um, so... It's quite a tricky question because we had Girls Talk London, who I'm an ambassador for. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing a shoot one day and I was like, oh, we should do like a beauty event. And then Vanessa was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, I know MUA. At that time, I managed the MUA. So I called Smashbox because Vanessa was like, I had Smashbox like give out their space. Mm-hmm. So I called Smashbox and I was like, oh, um, I'm thinking of doing like a beauty masterclass. And they were like, okay, cool, come, let's meet and stuff. So I've gone, I went in and I met them presented Girls Talk London to them, presented the MUA to them. Mm-hmm. And then we like sold out the event and then it did really well. And then that was like our first thing, but it was more of a collaboration thing with Girls Talk London because we didn't okay. really have the platform. But from that event, we noticed that a lot of black bloggers, like they were like, to us, oh, thank you so much for inviting us. And I was like, all right, you lot should be invited to these events anyway. Yes. Me, Ruby, Ruby were like, these lot should be invited to these events anyway. And then Girls Trip happened. So that was mm-hmm. like our first major. So like Universal was like our kind of like founding client, we would say. Mm-hmm. Well, we say Disney is our founding client, but 
Universal kind of is. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, Ruby had worked at Universal previously, but she wasn't in the department of film. Like, and um, Girls Trip was coming to the UK, and you know, normally when like kind of black films come to the UK, they don't really like treat it with any kind of like yes. dim. They don't think it's going <laughs> to do that well. So Ruby calls um, Universal, and she's like, "Oh, so Girls Trip is is it coming to the UK?" And they were like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Oh, can I speak to the person that's working on the project and the release?" And the girl was like, "Oh, it's me." And Ruby was like, oh, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> So we're an agency, you know, we specialise in like um, black women and influencers. We'd love to picture this movie. She's like, yeah, send me an email. So we sent her like a deck. And it's funny because I remember us working on that deck, like, because we use Google Docs. So mm-hmm. all working on it at the same time, we could see each other's like moving <laughs> and stuff like that. And we all put like everything into that doc and then we sent it to them. And they were very interested. They were like, oh, this is amazing. Can you like, like produce another doc of these kind of changes and like this is this and we were like no like I was like to Ruby we need to go in like I was like to Ruby let's go in and present to them so they can see the passion from us yeah so we go in we present to them like yeah this is amazing and we were like so what are you doing for PR as well and they were like oh we're doing XYZ and we were like okay if you do this if you do that and then they were like okay cool we'll hire you for PR also so then we ended up getting like the full gig and it started off with like an allocation thing. So they gave us like 20% of the seats mm-hmm. and then it ended up just being our screening. So then it was our few, like our first huge like screening. Jada Pinkett was there. Like we also did Junket as well because what we really specialise in as a business is like giving um, like platforms that are like BAME platforms or like black platforms or like kind of underground platforms mm-hmm. chance with talent. Mm-hmm. For example, people like What Magazine, mm-hmm. um, people like Link Up TV, A Black Ballad, giving them um, opportunities to interview talent for movies and stuff like that. So that was the first time we ever did it. And it was so successful. Um, but then, yeah, we followed that formula of like Black Panther, oh, Black Panther. Can you name drop a few more of them? <laughs> so that we can understand the levels that we're dealing with here. <laughs> so we did, um, after, we did Girls Trip and then we did Molly's Game and mm-hmm. then we did Black Panther, then we did A Wrinkle in Time. Then we did the purge. And who came over for Wrinkle in Time? Um, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Oh my gosh. Like, that was like the best day. Like, I still don't think I've taken it in properly. I don't think you have because the way you're saying it, it's just like, yeah, we done Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> I don't forget. Like, Oprah was, over. Over. was sitting and there was a laptop that I needed to get that was right next to her. Like, literally, like, our arm was here. And we're not really allowed to talk to Salem because okay. people can be very strict. Yeah. But, um, so I had to get the laptop from like next to her. And I'm like, my body was like shaking. <laughs> but they like proper briefed us like and they briefed like all the people that we invited mm. don't this isn't Oprah's movie like <laughs> everyone calm down <laughs> basically and I remember there was one lady that was late and she didn't hear the briefing and she tried to follow Oprah after and I was like don't do this just don't and she's like oh sorry I was like yeah you didn't get the briefing before you know you can't really do that like yeah. just you know just like yeah let's all just calm down <laughs> but I think that's um, being in this industry has made me like like you know I love Beyonce so Beyonce is like my key key person mm-hmm. but I don't know how I would act around Beyonce but I've learned to like you know calm, calm down, down and around like celebs and stuff like that but no behaviour with Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say has been your highlight to date then um I would say Black Panther okay. because A Wrinkle in Time was great but um Black Panther was our first like big huge movie and they really trusted us with a lot so mm-hmm. we helped with like the world premiere because I remember they sent us um 
No, European premiere. I remember because they sent us um, the list of people they wanted to invite. Mm-hmm. And this was from another agency. And we edited that list and we changed it. And we mm-hmm. invited like footballers, musicians, like mm-hmm. sports players, like loads of different people. And I remember being backstage at the red carpet, like the vibe and the energy just there was just crazy. Like it was just, it was just an amazing like vibe. And then when you go, when you went in, it was just even more amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think just doing an event the day before, and then doing that European premiere, even though we were like shattered, yeah, yeah, it was just the vibe was just too amazing. Like it was just, just great. Yeah, highlight definitely. And see Michael B. Jordan close up. There we go. And the security <laughs> pushing me. <laughs> yeah. So what's it been like building a business with friends? Because mm-hmm. my second hire was Siobhan, who's actually a childhood friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And we went to an event, and this was like a week after she joined, and we were like talking to some lady. And she was like, yeah, I would be very careful, like, doing business with friends because it can turn really sour, blah, blah, blah. And that, and we were like, if we didn't know each other so well and we hadn't already established the boundaries professionally and mm-hmm. then where person comes into it, then that could have really put us off and mm-hmm. could have been a huge hindrance to what yeah. we were building. So I've found nothing wrong with working with friends and I do hear mixed opinions, mm-hmm. but I'm quite interested to hear what your experience is. Um, I think working with Rumby and Ruby was like the best decision ever. Like, and I, I believe in business partners all the time. Like, I feel like every business that I would probably start in the future, I always, I would always have a business partner. Mm. And I think what's better than like having someone who knows you? Like, it's just, cause like if me, Ruby, we go through stuff all the time and mm-hmm. like giving each other space to breathe and like knowing how that person works and like knowing people's schedule, like knowing their family schedule and stuff like that. Cause Rumbi has a baby. No, I mm. call her a baby. She's free. <laughs> Rumbi has, has a child and like a husband as well. So she's got mm-hmm. a whole family unit going on there. Like yeah. and understanding that life as well as understanding what me and Ruby go through is like, mm. it's just easier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it can get tough if you put emotion first. I think when you're dealing with business stuff, deal with business things and mm-hmm. what can get a bit tricky with us is like sometimes we talk about business and they'll be like oh yeah this boy like <laughs> <laughs> and it's like sometimes the conversation can just shift sometimes but it's just it's like it's just like it's just it's better than just being with someone and just being cold you know because I mean? yeah. you some really cold business partners and yeah I don't really like believe in that have there ever been times where you were like oh do you know what I'm not sure that this was actually a good idea no no one like no that not is yet. so good. Well, not yet. Maybe we'll have a one day. No, I can believe but, that. Yeah. I can believe that. But I do, <laughs> yeah, like when that woman who gave us an unasked for mm. warning <laughs> about working with friends, I was like, wow, that must really be the experience of some people. Mm. I don't know. I think I'd rather get burnt by a friend than burnt by like a stranger. I don't know. Even I though know. I would rather not get burnt. <laughs> but like, I think you understand people more. Like yeah. the whole character thing. It's like you know a person and you know why they do something like I think when you work with a friend everything is explained but when mm-hmm. you work with a stranger they do something to you then you're probably like oh, I don't understand why they did that to you like, never, yeah exactly yeah. I'm even mad like I don't understand what's going on but with, with a friend there's always like an explanation there's always like you know you have to kind of understand Cool. So you guys um, thought of an idea. Mm-hmm. You decided that you three were the right three to do it. You had the right networks. You had the right experience together. So what was your process actually building out the business? Mm. Like, how did you decide who was going to do what? How did you decide how much you were going to charge mm. Universal for the first screening? Mm. Um, who leads on negotiations? 
Like, how did you guys figure that part out? Because that can be quite tough. Yeah. So with the business at first, we didn't know. So two parts of the business right now is we manage influencers. So we mm-hmm. manage five influencers. We have Myron Musa, Nella Rose, Nissi T, Esther Falana, and Yelena. Mm-hmm. Um, there's our five influencers that we proper manage. Mm-hmm. But we also have like a network of influencers that we work with and we get mm-hmm. them like jobs or campaigns and stuff like that. Um, like non, it's not, we're not exclusive. They're not exclusive to us or whatever. Mm-hmm. We just like pitch for them sometimes. Um, um, we kind of, Mary Musa was like our friend at uni, so it's all funny, mm-hmm. like everyone at uni. Yeah. Um, she put out this video and it like exploded online. She did this like before and after picture, you know, everyone goes a crazy on Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, she, really, she realized she wanted to be a blogger. So then we were like, okay, we've got this social media business, let's just start managing her. So we started managing her. We started seeing that once we manage an influencer, we can have access to the brands that she's worked with. So like, mm-hmm. we can picture them, other ideas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we started to fledge like a, a second half of the business, which was like managing the influencer as well as like putting on events or like projects and stuff like that with a brand. And we really wanted to like tap into the beauty industry. Obviously you're in the beauty industry and you know how hard it is mm-hmm. like already. Um, so we literally spent a year trying to get into the beauty industry from like the biggest brands from like the Estee Lauders to like the Palmers and stuff like that. And we've got good relationships with people, but it's just like people parting with their money to believe in a demographic is just another story. Um, they can go, you can go to the office and have a meeting them. They can give you a free product, a free goodie bag, <laughs> but if they ain't giving you the check, then <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, exactly. And it took us a long time to kind of really understand that. So kind of moved away from beauty a little bit and started focusing more on film, especially mm-hmm. when we did Girls Trip. We did Girl Trip before we started to move into beauty, but then we just kind of moved back into film. So we were like, let's just focus on trying to get all the big movies that have like a black or ethnic ethnic minority lead or like cast and stuff like that. So that's like our proper, proper target now. So that's like, it's, it's obviously quite like obvious in the films that we've worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've worked on. And in terms of like charging people in the beginning, it wasn't a lot at all. Like, because mm-hmm. like coming from like, obviously I have my background, I don't really didn't come from like a lot of money so like money it just didn't mean like having money was a, just good you know what I mean it yeah. never was like having a lot of money is great but it's just like having money is just good and I think when we put a, fi- a figure at first it was okay but then we started to work on it we started to see how much everyone in the industry gets paid we were like wow like we need to like triple double quadruple that and um, once we started to build our portfolio people started to believe in us more and start to you know part of the money have you guys had conversations whereby, like, you've worked with them the first time when you were just getting started and you charged them pennies? Yeah. And you've had to go back and be like, look, this is what we need to charge now because our service offering has increased and has improved. Because I've had those conversations and it's super awkward, but it's mm. 100% necessary yeah. because what I was charging you in year one isn't going to be what I'm charging you in year three because you've got a team now. I've got a team, exactly. office, mm. like, mad expenses. Like, yeah. we've actually improved. Like, whatever you were paying us for in year one, we've mm. actually improved 100%, mm. maybe 300% yeah. by now. So we want to be compensated fairly for that. Mm. And, um, that's, and that's, like, the right way to think. And it's, it can be quite hard to have that conversation with your client. Because I remember there's a client that we had, um, and we worked on two projects with them. And the first project, they paid us, like, a certain amount. And then the next project, we tried to double it. And they were like, no, we're going to pay you what we paid you first. And we were like... No, and then, like, I think I spoke to my, one of my mentors and she was just like, that's your founding client. Like, that's your, that's a client, not your founding one, but that's a client with a big name. Like, mm. just do it for now because when you work with them again, then they'll probably pay you more. And I think a lot of, like, um, of our clients have understood that, you know, now it's time to, you know, VAT mm-hmm. is real. VAT you know, is VAT real. is real. Corporation tax is real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
paying your employees, hiring people is real. And sometimes what we do is like we come in with the whole team so mm-hmm. that they know like this ain't no game. <laughs> it's not just one person working. Everyone, like, you know, everyone coming with the freelancers as well. Like we all sit <laughs> in the meeting, so you know this is real, basically. But yeah. Cool. And how have you guys found paying yourselves? Because that's something that mm-hmm. you actually have to work towards. Yeah. And a lot of the time you end up paying the people that work for you before you pay yourself. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys navigate that? How did you prepare yourselves for that? And was it a difficult conversation? Because one of um, one of you guys has got a family. Mm. The other two of you are living your best lives. Mm. But it's like, mm. how did you negotiate and work out who was going to get paid what? So we are all equal, equally paid because we're like all co-founders. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, we only literally started payroll beginning of this year. And what month mm-hmm. are we in now? What, April? Yeah. So January has been, what, four months? So <laughs> we've been on payroll. Um, before that, we, we used to actually have projects projects and like split it and stuff like that but it wasn't a good idea so we thought we need to start trying to make a certain amount a month in order to like be able to reach payroll like expenses and all that kind of stuff and it was quite a tough decision and obviously we would want to increase our pay Mm -hmm. but we have to always think like long term yeah long term and it can be quite difficult because even when I was younger and I used to watch like, you know, what's that thing? The Apprentice and like watch business documentaries and like, I used to people who say, oh, I never used to pay myself, blah, blah, blah. And I took it in, but I didn't really take it in. Like truly, like really, really take it in. Like, like for the past two years, it's been literally like, you know, not a struggle, but like I haven't been living the life that I want to live. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But now it's, it's getting better. It's getting okay. You know? mm-hmm. I think that's all part of the sacrifice though yeah. and I think it's important that you shared that because a lot of the time it looks like you start a business you get paid and you live your best life yeah. and that's not it and and the thing is like me I'm such a even though I work in the social media industry yeah, I'm mm-hmm. such a person that always wanted to tell entrepreneurs and young girls and black girls that social media is such a facade yeah. there's just so many people out there even entrepreneurs the bloggers that put out this lifestyle that they're living and they're not living it it's mm-hmm. not the truth guys mm-hmm. and just don't set that as like a standard for yourself like mm-hmm. live the life that you're destined for and in your means yeah um, and don't break your back trying to live a life that you think mm. you should be living yet because yeah. everything takes time exactly and it's all a process mm. no that's very fair um and then talk to me about mentors because you mentioned that you spoke to one of your mentors mm-hmm. about whether or not you should charge this client extra being that they were your first client yeah so like i have right now i have like two mentors um uh, one is a black man, one is a black woman. Mm-hmm. The mentor that I was talking about before, she was like a white woman. She's like okay. proper rich, like rich, rich. I used to work with her. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've probably spoken to her for a while, actually. But either <laughs> way, I think it's good to have like mentors, definitely. Yes. But I think that when I was, so the Brit- Black British Business Awards is founded by Melanie yeah. and um, her business partner and she there was a panel discussion a couple weeks ago and Mm -hmm. they were discussing about mentors and a lot of young people are like oh I really want a mentor blah 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 and then they said something like are you even excellent (laughs) and you know a lot of people were like but it's true though because it's like what are you doing to deserve a mentor because all you're going to do is sit in that meeting and suck all the energy out of that person and then you might not even go away and do whatever they're talking exactly and what are you giving to them like at least let them look at you and see excellence do you know what I mean look at you and be proud prideful about what you're doing do you know what I mean so true and it's just like a lot of the time people have mentors to um seek validation mm-hmm. and to just like talk to like it needs to be an exchange you know what I mean and I think a lot of the people who you think you want to be your mentors 
gonna be your mentor. Mm-hmm. Me, me, your heroes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how we say to people. Don't meet your yeah, heroes. yeah. Because in the, it's never like you know what you think it would be. No, it's very, very true. So your mentors have kind of changed over time mm. as you've evolved and as your I'm guessing your like learning needs have yeah. changed as well. Because I have like two stable, stable mentors that will probably always be in my life forever. Mm-hmm. One is Mel from um, the Black British Business Awards, mm-hmm. and I have like one mentor who's like a very, very, very rich man. And mm-hmm. like sometimes you just need to like hear go there, yeah, hear another perspective and go there and realize like because you know sometimes like, I genuinely believe like people really aim for riches and riches and riches but like there's a certain lifestyle that comes with that and it's like do you really want that lifestyle Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and it's like you need to develop your own kind of lifestyle like go and experience people's worlds and realize what you want for yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that's really important is there anything that you've observed where you've been like do you know what I thought I actually wanted that life but Mm. now that I've seen this I don't want it yeah so like obviously the big houses and the big flashy cars and stuff I want it but I don't um like, I don't want to have to... Sh- I don't want to be- display it too much because, like, it's so morbid, but a lot of people get, like, robbed and stuff like that, and it's so dangerous. Like, live your life, yeah. You don't have to show it off. Like, mm-hmm. things happen, and it's just, yeah, I just think, you know, just, you know, be around people that you love and, like, support them and support yourself and maintain your lifestyle and don't go too above and beyond to impress other people because yes. that's what the issue is. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And you also spoke about um, VAMP and how you were pitching to a lot of clients based on the demographic that you have access to. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a bit about the vision for VAMP and how it's been so, how it has been being so unapologetically black as far as who you work with, who you represent Mm. and the demographic that you're trying to elevate. Yeah. So when we first did that Smashbox event, we really realised there's a lot of black British bloggers who are not getting the limelight and when we are in industry kind of getting jobs for our influencers, we see there's a lot of opportunities that are not given to them. Mm-hmm. And obviously no one wants to talk about race ever. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely because it's a different demographic in it. And like, we've realized that that is our niche. And we always say, when you want to start a business, just find your niche. You don't have to be mass market, just find your niche. And we found that just working in that field, not only, you know, give us a purpose it just makes us feel better about what we're doing because we're elevating like a community and um yeah so it just makes you just i don't know i feel like when you start a business there should always be a purpose there because mm-hmm. when you wake up in the morning and you, you think to yourself i don't want to go in today you gotta to think about whose lives you're changing like you know it's not always about money all the time mm-hmm. what's been your biggest frustration with the black british community or the way that influencers are treated um, I find that there's not a lot of money that goes into the Black British community. I think that a lot of the influencers are capable of producing the content and producing things, but I just don't feel like there's a lot of support from these brands. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them don't believe that, you know, there's a lot of spending power. I think they will believe soon, but like, let's just believe now. Yes. <laughs> let's get it done. Um, yeah. Cool. And who have been the well, some examples of brands that have been very, very supportive? Mm. Where you're like, yeah, no, these brands are real. We should stick with them. Yeah, we should spend our money with them because they actually see the value in mm. what we can provide. For them. Um, definitely, Palmer's number one. Palmer's are very, very, very supportive. They support yeah. us in everything that we do. To be honest, um, 
Schwartz Graf, mm-hmm. they're getting they're very support they're getting more and more supportive. I think because they're understanding the market and obviously like you know the free sprays and they got mm-hmm. to be like yeah. it's the black women that are buying it, the black hair shops that are buying it in wholesale. Mm-hmm. So they're realizing that so they're trying to tap into that market more. But the thing is they need to see money first before they start marketing. That's the thing and mm-hmm. that's just how the business game goes, isn't it? Um who else been very supportive of us? A lot of like PR companies. Mm-hmm. Um do you think they ever saw you as competition because it was like, mm. wow, these girls are doing what we cannot do? The thing is, so when we first started Vamp, we thought that we could work directly with PR companies. So mm-hmm. we were like, let's go pitch the PR companies and ask them, give us budget and we can target like the better British audience. And then it started to get a bit sticky, like, and they used to be like, no, like, tell us your idea and then we'll t- tell the That's client. That's what I was going to say. Did they ever tell you, like, yeah, send us the list of girls yeah, you want to invite? Yeah, look at that now. Like, and it's just like, <laughs> no, you pay us first, number yeah. one. And it's our intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found, like, a little gap in between, like, a PR company and, like, a brand or, mm-hmm. or like, the PR company and the influencer. So we squeeze in between those two kind of gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how have those conversations played out as far as like pushing back mm. on bigger PR firms who have bigger clients potentially, mm. earn more money, yeah. are bigger in size? Like what's it been like having those conversations where you're like, mm, actually, we're going to stop the conversation here and pause mm. and let's get some paperwork in place and then we yeah. can continue the conversation. I think that a lot of the time with the PR companies, we've, we found it hard to like kind of get budget from them. We did yeah. get budget from them, so we try and go directly to brands. Mm-hmm. But like a big example, not my names, but like <laughs> there's this big PR company that work with like a big brand. Mm-hmm. And when the brand's quite new and by celebrity, um, when they first started and we knew that they were launching, because we, because obviously we're in industry, so we know who wins the clients. And mm-hmm. so we saw that company won that client. So we started calling them and messaging them and we were like, can we support you? Can we do this? Can we do that? And they were literally airing us, airing our emails. When we call them, they'll be like, mm, I'm just looking at the deck now. We'll give you a call back or blah, blah, blah. They were just so rude to us. And then there's just one time that we called them. We were like, can you just give us an answer? Like we've been trying to speak to you for months. And they're just like, yeah, we're not interested and just put the phone down. And we were like, okay, cool. That's no problem. Cool. Fine. That's all right. Wow. And then like, let's say like two months, two years later, like now we have someone in there who's like a friend of ours now. So like, if any, if we need anything, we could just go to her mm-hmm. and it'll work out. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, I always feel like you can be very like, um, like you can hold a grudge if you want, mm. but things are always work in your favor if it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. And then in terms of like brands as well, We've had brands that would want to just give us products and not give us money. So we worked on Shades of Beauty Live mm-hmm. last year. And we, ha- from that, we had loads of existing relationships with beauty brands. So we had mm-hmm. loads of conversations, but not a lot of them would want to sponsor in terms of like um, money sponsorship and stuff. A lot of them would want to give product. And we had to say no to a lot of people. We, had said, we said no to a lot of huge, big, big brands. Like, mm-hmm. And we were like, you can give us products, but we want the money. And if you're not, we've been speaking to you for months. If you're not ready to really support us with like a cash investment in what we're doing, then... Like, let's end this conversation here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to be quite, like, forceful and be ready to say no. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of guts as well because mm. it can go one of two ways, right? Like, they can be like, okay, cool, respect your decision, or it can mm. be like, yeah, I'm not working with these girls. Yeah. So it takes a lot of guts, but I think it also takes following your gut instinct mm. to know, no, I have the right to this, yeah. and this is how much effort, these are how many hours, and these are the people that need to get paid from this. Yeah. So 
I can't say yes to you because by saying yes to you, I'm saying no to myself and exactly. my business partners. Mm. So that's very crucial. Mm. What's one tip that you would definitely like to leave as far as what you've learned building a business with your friends, especially in the media space and being representative of the black British demographic? Mm. I think that you should, I always say this, but don't seek validation from anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's just all about like, including social media, including mentors, including like family, friends and all that. Like if you want to start something, there's nothing wrong with having like a side hustle. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And building that first before you put yourself into it. Like I say, it was a concept before it was a proper business. So like mm-hmm. always start like you know, walking before you actually run. Um, but yeah, that's like my tip that I always say to people all the time. and get experience as well right I think that's very very key Mm. and then one final question can you tell us a bit about your skin (laughs) (laughs) because I'm obsessed with your skin and I remember you recommended Lush Coffee yeah so I still use that yeah I still use Body Shop Mm -hmm. Tea Tree Mm -hmm. and then I got some Palmer's face scrub the other day which is banging so I'm using that I've seen that it's so good you know they've got it for body I've used it for body Mm -hmm. before but this weekend was the first time I tried the facial one and I was like, this is a new staple. <laughs> but you're meant to um, switch it up every so often, right? Yeah. Because I did find that my skin was getting bored of the tea tree mm. and the coffee. Yeah. So what are you using now? So right now, in terms of like, when I wake up in the morning, I use, oh, it's so bad, I cannot remember the name. Okay, let me say what I used to use before. So Kiehl's face wash, mm-hmm. I use that um, in the morning. I don't wash my face every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would wash my face like let's say max four times a week in the morning because really? you're supposed to like let your skin just like generate by itself and bring your natural oils and stuff like that. Yeah. Exfoliate in the morning and night. <laughs> also, I don't really believe in exfoliation as well. So the coffee mm-hmm. scrub, scrub, I use it like twice a month. But this is just me because I have different like obviously I've yeah, got yeah, different yeah. skin. Um, coffee scrub, I use it twice a month. When I exfoliate, I use glyconic acid. That's my exfoliator. So I okay. use acid as an exfoliator rather than actual scrub beads and stuff. Mm. Because I find that when you exfoliate, you open your pores a lot. And I feel like, I, I have this thing that when I see my pores, I get nervous. Because mm. I'm just like, it's, it's too expensive. It's too much is going in there. It's really, as well as polluted. Do you know what I mean? So I use, like, I prefer like acids and stuff to exfoliate. Okay. Because, um, and, Pixie Glow Tonic. Yeah, I've just been thinking about it for the past few days. Like, that is actually like my staple, staple thing. Like, my, I will never stop using that for the rest of my life. Really? Like, so when I take off my makeup, I use, um, Bare Minerals face oil. Okay. And like, with water and like, put it on my face and like, massage my face. And then I get like a cotton vibe thing mm-hmm. and then I wipe it off. And then I get the, um, Pixie Glow and then I wipe off any excess that I have. Mm. And then I get my Palmer's, um, night oil. Love and, that. Fantastic. love that it's got retinol <laughs> on it and then I remember someone telling me when you hit 25 you have to use retinol oh really yeah like because that's when that's the one that's because oh I remember when the day before my birthday my knees started hurting <laughs> so now my knees are hurting me do you know what I mean <laughs> so this ain't no joke because of your birthday celebration <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hoping when I turned 25 things just changed and I said that nah, I need to keep retinol in my life like, do you know what I mean so um yeah, I use that, um, but I really believe in acids. Mm-hmm. Use acids. Don't exfoliate too much. Mm-hmm. Um, don't wash your face every day. Um, <laughs> um, let your skin breathe, of course, but don't yeah. ever think that you have to, you know, it's not every day, no makeup. You know, just beat your face if you want to, it's not that deep. Um, drink loads of water. Cut dairy out if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't touch your face as well. What makeup do you use? Uh, NARS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one? Shigler. Okay. Oh, is it Shiglow? It's a long one, the long wear. Actually, long wear. It's called long wear. I, I tried that one. actually. Mm-hmm. I was quite into it. Yeah. But it made me a bit oily. But my face is naturally oily. Yeah, I've got dry skin. 
So I... that's why I like oil my skin a lot. Like okay. even when I'm sleeping, I'll put oil in my face and I just lay, lay there. Or if I'm going to the shop, I'll just put oil in my face. Because some people are lucky enough to have oil in their face. Because when you grow older, you're gonna have <laughs> nice skin. I know, I know. That's why I'm gonna complain. Yeah, exactly. But me with dry skin, I'm gonna look like a prune <laughs> by the time I'm 60. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't taking no risks at all. <laughs> would you ever do something with skincare? Do you think you would? I know that you've got a blog, right? Mm. Is there anything that you would do? Would you ever produce your own products, or is it like? I would love to. It, I think I was. Um, I wanted to produce my product, my own products, like last year and stuff. But I mm-hmm. think where I'm at right now is like, um, if you want to build a business, that like, you always have to think about your network and stuff like that. And what network do I have right now, apart from influencers? They'll push this product. Are you powerful? No, but it's like I think about distribution. Like distribution yeah, yeah. is key. Like yeah. I can get all the influencers to buy it online, but if the, the the online store shuts down, what's next? But you'd be surprised, you know. Influencers mm. have a lot of power, yeah. and if you can. People are just impressed by numbers these days. Mm. If you can go to Boots and Superdrug and say, like, look, this is the social reach. Mm. These are the impressions. These are the influencers that are standing behind the products. They'll step it up. Because it's all about ethnic diversity now, isn't it? Mm, Of course. Mm. (laughs) Maybe I'll revisit that business plan. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for having me and asking challenging questions. There we go. Can you zoom into her face so you can look at her skin? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's so nice. Don't zoom into my wig because this is an old wig. <laughs> Let's just keep it here. <laughs> no, but thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Good.